Hey, Link Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I can't tell you how comforting it is to me that the expression, I don't do X, has survived to the 23rd century, such as, I don't do scanning for life forms, or we don't do prime directive violations. Joining me, on the, joining me on the show as usual is my co-host. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek Podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Ella, I know that you visited a Tolkien exhibit recently, and I think you've talked about it on Generations Geek. Is that right? Yeah. Is the, um, first, thing, is the first thing they do when you come in, do they quiz you on whether you say Tolkien or Tolkien? They not that, but they have literally the, exa- the exhibition I was at. They had like quizzes up, like, do you know your Elvish and like, do you know the Hobbit? Just like random stuff, which okay. I was like, yeah, no brag, but so, oh, okay, so you did well at that. I did. <laughs> I took a. I went to a Downton Abbey exhibition uh, recently, and I took a quiz to see whether I would be. Um, good material for the Abbey, like whether I could apply for a job, and I passed. Oh, wow. Yeah, they said I had a lot of potential and maybe could be a footman. <laughs> uh, so that, that's not Trek. <laughs> that's the wrong show. Uh, let me continue <laughs> that in that vein just real quick and try to blow your mind. I was reading um, somebody's post about uh, Tol- Tolkien recently, and somebody suggested that to dogs, uh, we are like elves. Like we are to dogs as elves are to mortals in Middle Earth. You know, we outlive them. Um, we have very few children if any, in comparison to them. What do you think about that? I mean, I think elves are a little bit more annoyed with men, a little bit less of like, oh my God, you're so cute. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, But then you're still like ruffling his fur. You're not... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see like, uh, it's sort of like that in the films when Galadriel, I think that she probably looks at uh, Gimli as like a real, real nice dog, real friendly dog. She gave me three milk bones. Uh, also joining us on the show tonight is another co-host of mine. She's the co-host of the Just Enough Trope podcast, a show that brings its listeners all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment. It's Mikan Hano. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to have good you Good to be on. here. It's good to have you here. Uh, so all the news that's fit to cast, does that include um, Power Rangers news? Um, I don't think we would ever necessarily exclude it, uh, but I don't think we've ever particularly talked about Power Rangers on the show. We've talked about just about everything else, though, it seems what, like. What have you been talking about lately on Just Enough Trope? Uh, yeah, we just talked about uh, the um, some of the uh, top horror films of 2018. Uh, we talked about Suspiria, A Quiet Place, and Mandy. Oh, okay. Um, and Mandy, if you haven't seen it, is fantastic and Nicolas Cage at his best. So I would definitely check it out. Yeah, I, that was excellent, Mandy. I really enjoyed that. And uh, it's not a kid's movie. Uh, don't take your kids no. to see it. Uh, but for adults, it's definitely it's, it's good entertainment. Uh, Ella, how are you fixed for movies where you are? Do you have a good movie theater by you? Um, we do. We have actually a really cute little local movie theater here in a mile end. Um, it's called Genesis and I have one of my classes there actually. So I'm there at least once a week. <laughs> oh, what, what, what class is it? Um, it's called screening history, uh, representing the past and historical films. Um, 
So I go there and one of my favorite professors here like lectures for like 45 minutes on, you know, kind of like the importance of whatever film we watch. And then we get to watch a movie in the movie theater. That's awesome. Media. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> I, uh, I, when I was in England a long, long time ago, uh, I found this uh, cool little theater. I think it was called a little theater in Bath, England. And it was clearly some kind of, like house or some building that had some other purpose and had been repurposed to be like a little theater. And they had two screen. It's always rooms. a church. A, or a church? Oh, okay. It's it's always this building used to be a church. Genesis yeah, used to be a church and okay. like <laughs> Yeah, and our local pub. Well the pub that all the college kids go to used to be a church. Like everything used to be a church. <laughs> <laughs> Just turning those churches out. The, well this little theater had like one screening room and it was actually in its basement and it was it had about maybe 25 30 uh, seats tops oh my gosh and it projected uh, it onto a little screen that was probably about six feet wide so it was like this <laughs> quaint you know tiny little theater uh, which just seemed very British to me and the movie I saw this will put it in a particular date for you was the watcher which unfortunately was not a Marvel film about Uatu the watcher. <laughs> But was instead a horrible Keanu Reeves serial killer film that I recommend nobody ever sees. Don't watch oh. The Watcher. That would be my review. Well, I, I haven't yet, so I'm on okay. the right track, apparently. That's my Gene Neither have I. Don't watch The Watcher. Yeah, skip it. Well, before we get into tonight's episode, I want to inform the listeners that if they didn't know, uh, the titles for a few future episodes of Discovery have been released. Uh, the title of... You guys want to know these, right? Oh, sure. Yes. Okay, they're not spoilers, not really. Uh, episode three is called Point of Light, and as we've seen, uh, we can talk about it uh, near, near the end of this show, uh, we'll feature Giorgio, uh, the Klingons, characters, and Kronos. Uh, episode four is called An Obel for Charon, uh, which will feature number one coming into the show and the return of the Enterprise, of course. Episode five is called Saints of Imperfection. We don't know about much about this, but I believe uh, Giorgio was seen uh, in um, some key art for it. And episode six is called The Sounds of Thunder, and nobody knows nothing about that when it comes out on February 21st, we'll find out. It's reminiscent to me of a Ray Bradbury short story called The Sound of Thunder, or A Sound of Thunder, and that's the one where there's like a time machine and they take people back in time to like shoot dinosaurs, <laughs> but they tell them- Oh my God, and he steps on a butterfly? Yes, that's where the butterfly oh effect yeah, idea uh, comes from, or at least was popularized, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that is also a bad film from the 2000s, uh, starring Ben Kingsley and Edward Burns. Uh, Don't watch that one either. A lot of good advice on this show. Uh, Mika, what do you think about the new Trek shows that have been announced? The Giorgio show, Picard, so on and so forth. Um, You know, for the most part, I feel like I'm looking forward to them. Uh, I'm really kind of curious to see where they're going to take the Picard show. Um, Especially... uh, I just rewatched the penultimate episode of that. What is it called again? Um, I'm so great with show titles. Uh, All Good Things. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the ultimate ultimate. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Uh, the ultimate ultimate. Um, so just having seeing that and uh, kind of wondering like what he's been up to, like, did he get a vineyard somewhere? <laughs> Has he been checking in on data? You know, um, uh, I just kind of want to see what he's been doing. And was he made an admiral at some point? You know, um, I I kind of 
I wouldn't mind seeing some cameos from some other TNG people too. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think it would um, be very strange if there were none. Like I know I would agree. The way that shows work is you've got contracts, you have to put you know, base it around somebody. This is the Picard show, but just his to take him away from the TNG crew completely and not even have a suggestion, you know, they're having coffee. He's having coffee with Troy or something like that. Just to see right. that. I was going to say, I hope it's Marina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're all, it's not a situation where, you know, we can't get the TOS crew all back together. That wouldn't be impossible. Um, but they're all around and they're all working right. and healthy. And so, yeah, I mean, this is a, not to turn it into the TNG show, but take advantage of it. That's, what? listen yeah, to me. It's, it's I know they're there. listening. Yes. They're there. Right. <laughs> The they are the available. <laughs> <laughs> and they want it, too, because they want jobs. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the short treks? Um, you know, I like the Saru one the most. I, I really liked that, um, getting to know Saru a little bit more and kind of having an idea of his, his background and where he came from. Sure. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I liked getting to meet his sister and his dad, uh, kind of fills in that story a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of bittersweet that he can never go home again. Um, so, and I, I think he kind of feels that way too, but, um, yeah. like I think see... he's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think he's happy with the decision that he made to go with Starfleet, but yeah. I think it was a very difficult decision. Yeah, and we keep getting so maybe someday we'll get another episode that really focuses on him. But we keep getting these little character moments with him. Um, we've had some today, and then also in last yeah. week's episode where we get a little bit of extra detailing on the sort of melancholy of that decision and you know how it shaped him. And it's great. I mean, I guess if he's just a side character, that's probably more development than most side characters get. But he's so good at what he does and Doug Jones is so good in the role that I just, I hope that we get to see that. And I was, I was asking myself this week, you know, I know Pike's running around and he's wearing his cool sweater and he's talking to these, uh, these farming people or whatever, but Saru's just getting it done. And it's like, why isn't Saru the captain of this ship again? Yeah. I feel like that's a really good thing to bring up because I don't know. It's just like Pikes showed up and said, the Federation put me in charge, so I'm in charge. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You yeah. know? Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's perfectly capable of running the ship on his own. Yeah, well, he should be. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, let's get into the episode. Uh, tonight we've seen the second episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 called New Eden. We're here to break it down for you. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the Spoiler Zone listeners, so be warned. Glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for New Eden is, A new signal appears, prompting Stamets' emotional return to the mycelial network and leading Burnham, Pike, and Awoshakun to a pre-warp planet where they face a complex ethical dilemma. Tilly's over-eagerness lands her in trouble, but when the planet and Discovery's landing party are threatened, her curiosity may be the one thing that can save them. It's kind of a long recap. That's... uh. That's the kind of recap you'd give, Mika, of a movie on Justin <laughs> Trope. Yeah, I know. I go a little too into detail. <laughs> uh, the teleplay for this episode was written by Vaughn Wilmont and Shane Co- or, excuse me, Sean Cochran. Uh, Wilmont got his start in the Trek franchise playing a Bajoran Starfleet officer in the TNG episode Descent. He later became oh. a screenwriter and has worked as a producer on several television shows, and he's a staff writer on Discovery this season. 
Sean Cochran is also a Discovery staff writer. He worked on season one as well and wrote the episode Despite Yourself. He also developed the story for the short trek Calypso alongside Michael Shaven. And the story for this episode comes from Sean Cochran and Akiva Goldsman. Akiva Goldsman is the Academy Award winner of A Beautiful Mind and many other bad films. This episode was... <laughs> this episode... At me. This episode was directed by uh, Jonathan Frakes, who needs, I hope, no introduction. He's directed many episodes of post-TOS Trek, except Enterprise. He never did an Enterprise. And, of course, he directed First Contact and the Insurrection films, as well as the film Clockstoppers as well. So what'd you guys think? What'd you guys think of this second episode, New Eden? Ella, what's your opinion of New Eden? I liked it. I thought it was very reminiscent of TOS, Mm. the kind of like, you know, like issue of the week. Like they find this random church, it's whatever. But I also um, kind of want them to get going like (laughs) (laughs) into the uh, the meta plot yeah i i understand like suspense and keeping your audience waiting but like i'm ready for some action i'm ready for (laughs) spock which i think i'm guessing we're gonna see him next week but yeah i'm ready for some some more stuff (laughs) yeah and the episode the first thing i have in my notes is yay a standalone uh which it uh which it kind of is um and Mm. it's kind of the kind of thing i think that a lot of people have asked for uh, for the new show to kind of look like the old show. And that's not really, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable if they never do it again. Um, I do like, <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I like the standalone Trek, but I've got all, I've got 700 episodes of other Trek. And if this is what Discovery wants to do, you know, give this week by week type thing, that's fine. And if they could find places like everybody's favorite episode from the first season, uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, <laughs> if they could find places to settle down, that's fine. It's a little weird to put this um, in the second episode, in the second slot. What, d- yeah, um, I was going to say, like, I they have to time them right. If they're going to do these episodes that are almost standalone, they have to be, like, in a refreshing place in the season. You can't yeah. put it, like, episode two when you have these, like, massive other plot points going on. Yeah, although um, the conflict of this episode relates directly to... Um, what you know what the plot is it sort of gives mm. us this opening thing like okay so whatever this red angel thing is it definitely has um, infected other people and other planets Mika what did you think about the episode um I liked it I, I do agree like I kind of want there to be a little bit more action <laughs> um, to kind of delve into what the season is about a little bit more um, but yeah I guess they're kind of like you guys said, just kind of plotting it out piecemeal. Um, and like, we're, we're learning bit by bit what the, what the red burst might be and what the red angel might be. Um, but I don't feel like we learned a whole lot of new things about it. This, this episode. Right. It is kind of a setting the table kind of situation. Um, right. Something that we did learn that I was a little uh, excited about was we're getting some development of Pike as a character in his background, and I'm sure that there's plenty of development um, that might be um, self-contradictory just from the various books that he's you know appeared in. But getting an idea of him and his in his uh, leadership style, finding out that his dad was like uh, both a scientist and like somebody who, if he wasn't religious, at least he um, studied comparative religions and taught on that, and, and I think that really uh, slides in well to his. 
a sort of diplomatic approach to this situation they find themselves in because right away it's like he's just like an old like catholic walking walking back into church and he can do all the right. things and they're like uh you know peace be with you oh, right back at you and uh, <laughs> and he's so he's he can fit in and blend in well but he also is very sensitive i think and that really is what that's the sticking point for him on the prime directive thing because let's face it i mean captains especially in this era break the prime directive all the time but i really do think that he is like i don't want to ruin what they've got here they seem to be really happy and if we screw that up that's that's what the prime director is for right well and like he he just really does not want burnham to say anything <laughs> yeah but to their to her credit and uh Wushikin's credit they they do keep those orders like after he gets blown up like yeah he blows himself up which by the way how do safeties work on Starfleet phasers, there's this little girl. Picks yeah, it up. what? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, bad news. <laughs> like I like that he, because it reminds me more of like original series Pike to have him be so like self-sacrificing and just like a very honest, straightforward captain. But then I was like, how did she just like set off the like the self-destruct on this fan? Like, what? How did she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not good, but of course he gets uh, half blown up, and, uh, and like how Burnham was like, uh, let's take him to the temples, and we'll just pray for another miracle. Like, right? <laughs> let's be Mamana here. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of least, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to keep your uh, keep your um, your your mask on. Keep the roll up. Stay in the roll. Um, there's a lot of comedy in this episode. I've noticed that the uh, so far there's been a lighter tone um, for this season. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Good, bad, well, funny. She said, "She said we don't do funny," and then he laughed. So, uh... <laughs> right. That specifically. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe maybe they got an, an like some feedback from fans or something like that that they should be funnier or. I'm not I'm not really sure where it's coming from, but maybe somebody in the writer's room was just like, let's make it funnier this year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love the the comedy relief with like Tilly and, and everything is like really good. But it also see, it seems like somebody was like, just relax. Like the original series was fun. Like Star Trek is fun. Like it's OK to like say something funny and then have like you know, like plucky violin after it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, they're like, they're tr exactly, but they're like trying yeah. to be relaxed. And so it comes off as like, a, I, I think it comes off as a little awkward, like cutting to, like even last episode with Tilly's like, hilarious exchange with Pike, like that was hysterical, but it's also like completely off tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... um. And I don't think that the, the tone of the show is, is set necessarily or needs to be set. No, no, but... not at all. That's the other thing is that they're still, like, figuring out what they're doing. Like, it's yeah. the second episode of the second season. They don't know yet. Like, they're almost there. <laughs> maybe, I'm reading, <laughs> maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I felt like the there was a lot of, like, uh, lines like, uh, you guys uh, you guys shot tardigrade DNA, DNA? Or, like, oh, I guess if we're... <laughs> Yeah, we're riding on a highway made of mushrooms. We're just gonna have a good old time, and I'm not sure <laughs> if it's uh, just them trying to not be self serious about it, which I think would be a good move, or also if you know, because apparently all those elements came from Brian Fuller, who is over. Um, well, no, I think he's over two years gone from the show now, and so now this is the, really the first time that the show gets to do its own thing, 
and doesn't have to incorporate like these ideas from creators that aren't there anymore. So it seemed like maybe it could be them kind of laughing at it a little bit and being like, no, it's not, we're not going to really ever talk about that stuff again. Yeah, like everyone knows that there's been like this drama behind the scenes and they're like, ah, ha, ha, everything's fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I really liked when Saru said, I suppose you had to be there. About yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about uh, Frakes as a director for this episode? Uh, Frakes is known to, um, he goes high is what I hear, and he often uh, uses very unique camera angles and moves. Did you guys uh, find that that really... Uh, affected your viewing did you really enjoy that did you notice i don't know that i noticed yeah i didn't notice super crazy this episode uh i mean the donut scene was pretty cool um so i enjoyed that um Um, i'm trying to think of like what else yeah i feel like i was too i was too like stitched into the story to really Like I was, I wasn't thinking about the editing or the directing like at all. I was just very focused sure. on like what was happening on screen. There was a few. There was one scene in particular in the bridge where they were trying to figure out how they're going to do the donut thing. Uh, that was there was a lot of movement and the camera was sort of moving around actors, sort of creating tension. And I thought that that was like, oh yeah, I can see that's a that's a freaksy kind of thing to do. Yeah, like when when Detmer like gets up and like sits back down, like all that stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is, I think this yeah. is officially, believe it or not, the 750th episode of Star Trek. Oh, wow. In, in the franchise. I feel like we should celebrate. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we should throw a party. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you, you start working on that. But, okay. Uh, I don't know if that well, includes. Well, so let's start working on the 1,000th episode party. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a lot of balloons. We, to, need, uh... we need the few years to, well, I mean, with all these series coming out. A well, year or two at most, really. With so many, you're right. <laughs> with so many uh, Star Trek episodes gone by, I think it's very difficult for I don't envy these writers at all in coming up with premises that Star Trek has not somehow touched already. Um, I wouldn't envy Voyager writers, you know, for the same reason. And so when you see elements that pop up in New Trek, uh, well, I want you guys' opinion. Like, does that? bother you or do you just think it's just part of the game i noticed specifically tonight and i'll get you guys started that this episode in its prime directive themes you know reminds me of an episode like who watches the watchers um and also an episode like uh, pen pals you know they're in one episode you've got a sort of religious thing going on and the interference of starfleet you know makes that them think that the starfleet are gods or whatever and in Pen Pals, you've got a planet that's going to be destroyed. And they're like, well, I don't think we can do anything because we're not supposed to like interfere with the universe. And so we see both of those things in this episode. Mika, is that something that is unavoidable now that Star Trek has turned 750? <laughs> well, I think in some ways it's unavoidable. Um, I think that the, you know, the Prime Directive is something that is comes back in stories time and time again. And I think that that's just kind of something that's you, I don't think you can avoid that because you're always going to run into um, you're discovering new planets and, and new civilizations. So you're going to run into (laughs) people. (laughs) I know, I know, (laughs) but you're going to run into people who, who don't have warp capability. Um, So you, I think you have to be, you know, really self-conscious about like, well, what am I doing? Do I have anything? Is anything showing 
that I'm going to make and expose myself as, right. as being from the future. Um, you know, and I think it's, I mean, when, when you put yourself in that situation, it's kind of nerve wracking. Like you could just say something and somebody be like, what do you mean by that? And then you kind of have to say, Oh, uh, it's just a saying from where I come from or something like that. What, you know, you yeah, just have to bicycle? be on your feet. I know. <laughs> like an I outlander. Know. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not complaining. Um, I, what I really like, <laughs> no, no, really, I'm not. Like, I, I think that it is a problem that you're going to have. And I think all you can do is just have your characters um, define them in the way that they respond to this situation. That might be familiar right. for somebody like Data or, or Picard or something like that. And what, that's where this episode really shines is in the way Pike deals with it. Because I don't think we've ever seen a character respond to a... Uh, prime directive whoopsie the way that pike does as we're getting to the end of that episode and this poor guy you know jacob this character on the planet is like i know this stuff is real and like nobody really <laughs> believes him uh, jacob is me <laughs> yeah like i was i i even had written wrote down in my notes before like the very last scene i was like that's too bad too bad for that guy and that's not what happens pike has that conversation with uh with burnham and he's like screw it and he just goes down there and he's like Look, here's the deal. Um, you're right. Like, we, you, let me tell you what you want to hear. And we do this and we do that. And we, I mean, I, I don't want you to tell anybody. I hope you don't tell anybody, but hopefully we'll meet again someday. No other Kirk would have, like, single tier, would have just fl flown off. They never would have uh, helped that guy. Picard, <laughs> probably the same thing. Picard was forced to in Who Watches the Watchers because of how screwed up everything got. But I just like the fact that, yeah, it's a violation, but he's like, I think this is the right thing to do. Like, if we're going to reach out and touch people, that's our sort of thing. That's what this is. Like, yeah. touching somebody. Mm -hmm. so, Making that connection. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm not sure. Does it apply? Does the Prime Directive even apply? Because they're like Earthlings. Well, that's that was the whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Well, nobody even seems to like... Does it? You tell me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, they, uh, he immediately goes like... Well, this is a, you know, they're pre-warp. And it's like, well, I guess they're pre-warp because they're from early 21st century Earth. But right. if somebody um, if somebody falls in a hole and does a Rip, rip Van Winkle and they, I don't know, breathe in some gas that keeps them, like, young for 200 years, and then you pull them out of the hole in the 23rd century, do you go, put this blindfold on. You can't see anything. Don't look at, don't look at San Francisco. Don't look at it. There's no Starfleet Academy. <laughs> You're a pre-warp person. They're, they're part of us. Anyway, it's nuts. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like a, a complication in a way. And maybe that was kind of like one reason why Burnham went and talked to Pike and tried to convince him to go and, you know, you should go and talk to Jacob. Yeah. Burnham also, I think, like, just cares about the greater good more than she cares about the rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of good and evil, uh, I guess that was my bad segue into religion. What did you guys think about the space Unitarian Universalists that live on this planet? <laughs> Do you think that this is uh, the show's sort of entree into... I mean, clearly, you have a character or a thing called the Red Angel. It looks like we're going to be dealing with religion, but it seems like they're stepping on the gas as far as that goes. Ella, do you want religion in your Star Trek? Honestly, No. <laughs> 
I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to because I was gonna say that I'm getting a little irritated with the like heavy Christian undertones oh, okay interesting um and I was I was already a little confused by like the whole like oh like Spock had nightmares about this like red angel and now Burnham had a vision of this red angel and now all these people saw the same thing this red angel and it's like okay so it's obviously an alien because this is Star Trek like it's not <laughs> an angel it's an alien that is doing something right. but then um for their like the seven beacons thing I'm kind of like we don't need to make this. Like, we don't need a plot that's based on Christianity because we have that in every fantasy book ever written. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. So you don't want it, the, the C.S. Lewising of Star Trek you're not into? Yes. It's not a- really. I mean, I'm, I'm giving, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt for now because, like, I think I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, on how Christian it has been so far. Well, but, I mean, they um, literally walked into a church and there were stained glass yeah, windows. Yeah, and yeah. I like, I like how Pike's like, you ever been in a church? And I was like, okay, canon guy. There's a chapel <laughs> on the Enterprise. <laughs> we see it in Balance of Terror, so we know that there is, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, well, it's certainly something that they seem to want to explore. And um, I don't know. I, I've always felt like Star Trek is probably better off for not having religion, but I've always wondered why, it, you know, where it was. Um, David Mack, a longtime guest on the show, um, we has we have I've talked to him about this, and in his books, he's you know kind of brought some religion back. Like he's shown that certain uh, people, certain officers, have certain faiths because there's no way that that would go away altogether. Um, I'm not saying because you know I'm anti-religious or even pro-religious. I'm just saying. We've always had these things, and they're such a part of us culturally that just because we discover aliens or find unlimited energy uh, or fix all of our problems doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to become totally scientific and unspiritual. And even, of course, Burnham. Burnham is like that person that's like... All right, let me get my point on here. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Immediately, Burnham has to go, what if science is a religion? It's like, oh, jeez. You are are the person that that would say that. Of my race is like, well, if science is my religion, what then? Where do we go? I don't see no <laughs> test tubes up on this <laughs> altar here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when, just when people say science is their religion in general, I'm just like, I don't think you understand what <laughs> is going on. Well, atheism is my religion. I want one window that has no like, glass in it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Mika, what what do you think about getting uh, some religion in your peanut butter in your Star Trek chocolate? Um, um, I don't think it necessarily, you know, needs to be there, but I don't know. I think that they thought we had this thing. It's a red angel. What do we think when we think red angel? Well, it's an angel religion. I I think that must be their line of thinking somehow. I'm hoping (laughs) that it's not like throughout this entire season yeah. you know but <laughs> you're crushing me because i was just thinking i i was I just got done saying like i hope that they can tackle this religion uh issue in a in a fair and, and deep manner and you're like they thought angels so religion it's like oh boy <laughs> that's i hope that it's better than that that's not what i wanted to hear i hope that it's more nuanced than I'm that sorry 
Well, but also, though, why are both Spock and Burnham were essentially raised on Vulcan? Why are they both like, this is Christian, this big Jesus energy? Like, why? (laughs) Well, look, it's not a, this angel, it's not a precious moments figure, you know? I mean, it's like many um, vicious moments. There you go. Um, Many cultures have, you know, angel uh, type figures, so it doesn't have to necessarily be... Uh, you know, Michael the Archangel or something like that. But yeah, I mean, isn't, it is. But there's, isn't the number seven? Isn't seven beacons? Seven is, that, is a, also a up? significant number in in many uh, world religions. And oh, cultures. okay, okay. Yeah, the, take that media studies major. You <laughs> <laughs> haven't got to that movie yet, huh? Uh, just kidding. Sorry. Uh, so anyway, uh, okay. So we're all sort of um, divided on that, and hopefully, uh, tentatively hopeful that it will be actually kind of good. Can we talk about what everybody has been waiting for us to talk about? And that is, what's going on with the May Ahern character? Yeah. Um, I don't know if... I, I thought when we first saw her, I kind of thought to myself, is she really there? Because she's all really? like... <laughs> you know, she's all like, oh, I was there when you got hit. And oh my God, and all this stuff. And like... Uh, and she was then, on screen. I was like, liar, fake. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I thought I was wrong when Tilly was talking to her, and then she like leaves, and we still focus on her. Right. Yeah. I thought I was wrong because she was still there. But then when we got the stilly thing, I was like, oh no, 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 she's not there. She's yeah. They there. when they held on her, I was a little worried. I was like, is this like a you know single white female thing? Uh, or a single, you know, cadet female thing, but uh, it, no, it was just for the comedy beat of her running the wrong way, which is like, wow, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's so it's so strange. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's like a ghost story or or what it's what they're trying to do. Ella, what's your theory? I just I feel like they thought I would be more invested than I am, <laughs> and I I just don't. I'm like. Tilly's having a hallucination. Like, I don't know why. I feel like I should care more than I do. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm just like, okay, like, are we gonna, like, why, why is she here though? Like, what's right. the, like, well, and it's also like, we've seen Stamets have weird, like, mycelial, like, hallucinations for lack of a better word and so it's like is this just something else like that I don't know that's what I was thinking too like is like the dark matter being connected to the mycelial yeah. connect like, network somehow that's a connection to these weird like visions that they're having or or is it just Tilly got bonked in the head and she saw somebody who wasn't there yeah well, I'm also still paranoid about that shot from last season where the, like, little, like, speck of mycelial, like, dust lands on her shoulder. Yeah. And we, like, linger oh, on it. yeah. I don't trust. And it could be nothing, but I don't trust it. <laughs> and I just rewatched that episode, and I was like, oh, I forgot how long the camera stays on that. Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh, it was for the comedy bit. Then the speck goes the other way. It was going the wrong way before. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, that's got to be something. And um, this is the kind of mystery that I'm okay with. I like little flashes of stuff. I know that we'll get a reveal uh, eventually. But it's, <laughs> I do commend the just weird choice. Um, I, I like uh, that Stamets is seeing Culber. I think that makes sense. 
But to mm-hmm. have this character who comes out of nowhere, and we might find out, hopefully she won't have like a you know dumb, <laughs> bad written uh, connection or, or backstory That's to awesome. Tilly, but to have this sort of weird thing appear out of nowhere and you just take it for granted, like, okay, this is just like another Tilly or like another Ensign or Cadet. <laughs> Uh, and no, no, it's something, something's going on there. So I guess we'll find out soon. Um, before we talk about what is coming soon, do you guys have anything left that you wanted to say about the episode? Um, I, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I just really liked the moment where uh, Saru is talking to Tilly um, in sickbay and he was telling her that she needed to take better care of herself. Right. Um, I just, I just thought that was, a nice character moment between the two of them. They are um, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right. anyone, anyone with Tilly is sweet, but that was like especially cute. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like he's trying to look out for her. So <laughs> I also liked when she, and of course, you know, there's something sinister going on, but before we know that about May, she's there and Tilly's doing her thing and she's like, you know, I need somebody like to Burnham's usually here and I can sort of fire things off her. So you get to be like discount Burnham in this scene. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was good. Also, where did they get an SD card adapter in the future? (laughs) He's just able to take this uh, uh, helmet camera data and just look at it, which by the way, the data's not, doesn't tell them anything. He just gets to see the angel too. So we know that it's not a hallucination now, but otherwise it's not really a lot of, information he should get his battery back (laughs) be like sorry jake i'm gonna need that well anyway forget it jake it's new eden so anyway um (laughs) let's uh let's talk about what we think is coming up in the future Uh, on last year's shows we talked about who we thought was gonna die because it was a really fatal show everybody seems pretty safe at this point so i guess it's a good idea to talk about what we think is coming up like you know what are the lights exactly who is the angel what's spock's involvement uh, that sort of thing. Uh, Mika, start us off. Give us one speculation for the rest of season two. Oh boy. Um, Lay it on us. Well, I don't know how he's been having these nightmares for years, but that have been. I mean, has it been for years about the Red Angel? Uh, I don't. I don't know. But since he was a kid, right? Right. It says. sounded like that. Um, but like. So he saw these red bursts where they appeared like two months before, and he must have thought he was hallucinating because he checked himself into the psychiatric unit. Mm -hmm. So I think he thinks that he's crazy and maybe he's just somehow seeing the future. Um, And I don't know. I don't know what the Red Angel has been trying to to tell him and maybe the red angel has been speaking to him and saying things to him or maybe he's been seeing like snippets of it and he just thinks he's going crazy i don't know okay um i i think i said time travel last week right so yeah you're jumping on board board for that for my time travel theory okay ella any new insights that have come to you um I don't know. I'm, I'm con- the psychiatric thing concerns me because if we got that shot in last week's like upcoming preview where he's like fighting the like guards. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know yeah. if he's like, oh, I'm seeing a red angel and I have been since I was a child. Maybe it's time to d- take some pills or if it's <laughs> if it's like 
some sort of bigger because last last week I got the vibe that it was some sort of bigger conspiracy like thing. Um, but yeah, now I'm I'm not sure. And I I say this every time. You're always like, "What's coming up?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." They know. surprise me every week, but it's like I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, I think uh, Red Angel is actually an anagram for Grendel. So I think that there will be, uh, if not a, a Norse monster, there will be some kind of uh, <laughs> a monster that is behind this that they'll have to face off against. That's just this is how we will teaser. tie the Star Trek universe to the Marvel universe. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> uh, Watcher, yeah, Uatu will pop out and go, I'm sworn not to interfere, but just this once. <laughs> Well, I think that is it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And I should mention that Enterprising Individuals, which has been off as we're getting ready to do our new season, will be coming back this, well, not this anything. It'll be coming back on February 6th. Wednesday, February 6th. The fourth season of the show will start, so join us for that. Uh, you can tweet Woo! to us on the show, thank you, by using the hashtag Discoverage. <laughs> you can email us at eistpod at gmail.com. And while you're on that internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice, your podcatcher, and subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and review because it really helps us out. Check out our merch at tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash just enough trope. That's our tpublic store. We've got all kinds of snazzy Trek wear and t-shirts. Check it out. And also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash EISDpod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discoverage will return next week on January 31st for the next episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. That episode is called Point of Light, as we mentioned, and will feature the return of several characters who played a very big part of Season 1. In the meantime, you can check out our main show, as I mentioned, Enterprising Individuals at enterprisingindividuals.com. Uh, and it's a great time to catch up on the show as we are coming back in, I don't know, in 13, 14 days or so. So check us out. Uh, Mika, thanks for joining us to talk about Star Trek this week. Remind people where they can find you yes. on the show online. Uh, yeah, you can find me at, at Mikanhana. That's M-I-K-A-H-A-N uh, on Twitter. And uh, Just Enough Trope is at justenoughtrope.com at just enough trope on Twitter and uh, just enough trope on Facebook as well. Awesome. What's coming up on just enough trope? Oh uh, yeah. This week we're going to be talking about deadly class. We're going to talk about the second story arc of the comics. Okay. And then a after that, we, uh, the local art house theater is showing a, a Kurosawa uh, bunch of films. And we're going to be talking about Rashomon and Rashomon like storytelling and other genres. There's a Rashomon Star Trek episode. There's actually a couple. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Okay. Just making a connection. <laughs> Yo, I mean, we might talk about that on the show. Okay, that's the one where Riker's trying to bang that guy's wife or whatever. The TNG right. one. <laughs> All right. Woo. Uh, and Ella, where can people find Generations Geek online? Um, at Generations Geek on Twitter and Instagram and GenerationsGeek.com. Um, I just did a little interview with my dad to go on the show about um, kind of the nerdy film things I've been doing while here. And my parents will actually be visiting me in England starting next Wednesday. So we'll have some cool material from that as well. While okay. me and my dad frolic in the Shire. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy it that. sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, your dad is uh, never early or late. He arrives exactly when he needs to. Mm-hmm. So. That's uh, exactly right. <laughs> that's, uh, or when Delta brings him. Well, that's it for us <laughs> this week. Thanks for listening. And we're signing off. This is Aaron for Amika and Ella saying live long and prosper. Bye. <laughs>